Fuck yeah. All right, sick one. So are we going to just like start? Like what's the go here? I haven't, done this. I haven't actually haven't been on a floodcast in ages. Same. I wasn't, the last time I was on the door knocking one. It was like, what, four years ago? Now. I think. No, that's not true. Three? Which one was I? Which one was the last one I was on? I can't even remember. McAlevey? McAlevey. Yes. <laughs> This twice, twice. It is disingenuous. Was, was the situation now is even worse. Flood is not above the poverty line. Business press. The business press is the only fucking media worth reading. I agree. I agree. Um, I think it's like um. That's the, that's the cold open. Just Declan being, read the business press. Well, I think it's like the AFR is worth reading because it's sort of like what the ruling, like the ruling class that runs shit is reading. Um, so the F- Financial Times is the British AFR. Yeah, right. And this article is written by... Um, I'm not sure if he's Indian. He did talk about India a lot and he's definitely got an Indian name. But, mm. you know, don't want to be cancelled here. He could be a British immigrant. Probably <laughs> um, is. Yeah. Because it's a it's British press, but he works for um, HSBC, is like the global investment kind of strategist for HSBC, and he's talking about like how well billionaires have done over the pandemic, and he's like, yes. so central banks have made like have printed like nine trillion dollars of new money, and billionaires have taken up eight trillion dollars of that, like it is now just in their pockets. Oh, um, damn, fuck me. But he's like. What's amazing about the article is how very, like, open it is about talking about, the, like, the class politics of the ruling class. Where it's like, and this is bad news because there's starting to be increasingly more anti-billionaire rhetoric in various countries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, guys, this is terrible optics. It's like, so, like, we, like it is. It is very much just like, this is bad optics and you need to keep a lit, you need to keep your eyes on the Forbes rich list in various countries about, and, like, he, like, divides billionaires into, like, good billionaires and bad billionaires. Of course. Um, Elon Musk is a good billionaire. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, there's always this, like, um, there's this weird uh, moralism that comes around, like, billionaires that make stuff and billionaires that just make mm. money or finance capitalism or, like, inflating assets. And it's yeah. like, there's no difference. But but even if there isn't any difference, Musk, like, there aren't any of the billionaires that make stuff. Like, there's nothing. Like, well, so he Musk was like... That. He's cosplaying as someone that does No, he, that. so he was like, um, you know, tech billionaires are doing stuff. Um, absolutely not. And oil billionaires, they're the bad ones. Um, manufacturing billionaires, that's fine. Inherited, like, inherited billionaires, like um, like Rockefeller, etc. Now, that's that's, that's real bad. That's, yeah, mm. that's but I love that like, manufacturing billionaires, good billionaires. The oil billionaires that provide the energy for the manufacturer, bad. bad, bad, bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Honestly, at least oil, like, oil is one of the more productive in this, like, the sense of something is actually happening. Like, they're at least uh, like, digging it up. Oh, like... Which is the basis shouldn't. of the whole economy, right? Yeah, like, right. like all, like energy is like you can track the how well the economy is going by how much oil is being consumed. Mm. I suppose that will change over time, but yeah, I really rate um, both. Uh, yeah, it's always good to reference other podcasts. Um, Trash Futures, uh, like concept on like tech companies is like they don't all tech companies are mostly their innovation comes around like skirting like financial regulations <laughs> like and u- like antitrust stuff yeah and, exactly like, like u- uber isn't abusing monopolies exactly uber isn't anything other than a way to get around like uh paying your fucking employees and like every single tech company just invents another way to like 
do financial shit in a dodgy way rather than like any like functional stuff or just to mop up like like capital that can't be invested productively because Mm. like we've just we've actually just built all the productive capacity out like the whole world needs Oof. Okay, yeah. wow, we've gone really off topic. Yeah, we yeah, really we, like, have. Introduce ourselves. <laughs> yeah. We should introduce ourselves and talk about what we're going to talk about. Indeed. I'm Declan, <laughs> um, and we're redoing a door knocking cast. Uh, hello, I'm Max. I just came back from a door knock, actually. Yeah, that's uh, good. Well, that's good. You'll be able to tell us about it. In Karina. <laughs> How was it? It was good. It was very good. Um, Win any new votes? Yes. Yeah, a few. Um, a We'll go into it more, I suppose, but a classic case of someone who came to the door and young woman who said that she you know classic i don't uh no i wish my housemate was here because i don't really have anything to say and i was like oh that's all good what do you do for work and she's like i work in a childcare center and we just talked about her low wages crappy conditions how the fact that you know an industry of predominantly women it's no coincidence that it's viciously underpaid and overworked Despite mm. the fact that childcare fees are often like $150 a day and you sort of wonder where all that money goes if it's not going into wages. Right. Uh, and she got really upset about that. We had a great chat about that. Uh, yeah, and then she, out of nowhere, was like, uh, we also need to build more public housing. Um, <laughs> childcare was, was like one of the things that absolutely radicalised the last like apathetic door knocker uh, door I was knocked on the other day. She was also a childcare worker. And yeah, similarly sort of like, I don't know. Turns out, like, this is actually, like, a really politically charged thing. Um, We bonded because I'm, like, studying education. And I was like, what you're doing is, like, more important than, like, well, as important as a part of education as as anything. But it's, like, very undervalued. Yes. Who are you? Oh, my name's Ryan. I'm just a guy. Perfect. Um, So You're part of the door-knocking battalion (laughs) of the (laughs) campaign. Uh, Who are you? Um, I'm Declan. I said that though. Oh, did you? Oh, fuck. I'm I'm exhausted. Shit, Max. Who are you? I'm, I'll I'm honest. I'll be honest. I'm pretty fucking tired. But we'll see how I go. I reckon I'll do really well. <clears throat> um, we we decided to do this again. Ryan hasn't been on a podcast or hasn't appeared on a podcast since the last door knocking cast. Door knocking cast, which was like three years ago. So why are we redoing a door knocking cast? Uh, well, Declan, you asked me on the on the door knocking cast, so I thought you had a, had a reason. No, well, you asked me on the last one. Oh, fuck. Well, I suppose we're a shitload better at it now. We were really just vibing, and now there's a there's whole a lot, lot of new stuff to stay. I think we're also doing it because, you know, I think you're right, Ryan. We've learned a lot more since we last did it, mm. uh, and our like ways that we train volunteers and the way that we think about door knocking, I think, has grown a lot more sophisticated. But I think it's also, you know, just time again. We're at one of yeah, those stages real. again where a lot of people are wondering what the fuck to do. You know, like, and they're feeling at a loss strategically. And we've gone through another wave of, like, little protest movements and things like that. And mm. everything's just gotten worse and people are wondering how to change the world. Yeah, well, and the last time as well, there was a lot more kind of enthusiasm for parliamentary politics at a global scale because the Corbyn wave and the Bernie wave were still yet to crest. Yeah, I think yeah, that's, that's a good point. True. So we need to we need to make the case post-Corbyn and Bernie that, like... You still gotta go out the door knocking is still it. good. It's, it's more important than ever. It is. It really is. And I think like the reason for that is because of the social context we're in now. And like door knocking is effective because no one is connected to any civil society and stuff like that. And that's why it's good is because you get to go and talk to people who, and you can't talk to them in any other way. And the basis of politics is talking to people who don't already agree with you. If you're not doing that, 
You're not doing politics. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least certainly not doing organizing. Um, Yeah, that's right. And I mean, we, at the start of all of our trainings, we'll go through this around how, and we've, I think this is like broken record stuff, very standard stuff for flood media, but that, you know, the hollowing out of politics in across the Western world with declining trade union memberships from Mm. 40% in 1990 to 14% now, you know, and a whole bunch of other civil society organisations and this general um, phenomenon that Liz Humphreys and Tad have previously described as anti-politics and where, you know, we, I think our entire strategy from the start has been that by reach, because people are both not in civil society organisations but have retreated to the home in terms of feeling alienated both from politics and feeling any sort of sense, like having an experience of collective strength or collective power, which not many people have, I would argue, none or barely anyone has had in a long time. And in the absence of all of that, going to someone's home and asking what their issues are and describing to them a path by which we might be able to change things is the best strategy. Yeah. Mm. So I think, yeah. And so this, this explains why door knocking works on multiple fronts. Our first one being... Like functionally, it it, it changes votes, <laughs> like, but the also it changes the door knockers who are doing it. Like the experience of door knocking is itself political education, and you like can go from being jaded and alienated yourself to like understanding your community better. And then also it changes the people with door knocking because they actually like get listened to for a change. So like those are the three prongs from which we think this is an effective strategy. I think one of the new things we've learnt very recently, like maybe we've known it instinctually, but we formalised it Mm, uh, very recently, is um, this thing we're calling life knocking, uh, which for a long time we related to that feeling or distrust of politics, like in a structured way in that we, uh, we related to it on that level, on the realm of politics in the sense we said, yes, I hate politics too. This is why I hate politics. Let's talk mm, about how mm, much we hate mm. politics. Like life circumstances would come up, but in an all sort of organic way in the context of talking about how politics does fuck all for our lives. And yeah. what I think maybe we hadn't thought about formally until relatively recently is that's like, if it's the case that the overarching feeling when people relate to politics as a feeling of powerlessness and disconnection and alienation, Mm. then actually it's reasonable to assume that people will have issues in their lives but won't bring them up in the context of a conversation about politics because they don't think politics can change it. Yeah, exactly. And I think the new thing that we're relating to now is finding much more structured and formal ways of actually just talking, not bringing up politics at all Mm. and actually coming at it from the inverse position of asking deliberately a lot of formal structured questions about their lives. What do they do for work? Do they study? How have they handled COVID the last year? And then relate that back to a series of political demands uh, and demands on the state that we describe as possible. um, But by virtue of the fact that we're at their door and we're building a political movement that might actually be able to wield power. Mm. Like, this was something that our best door knockers would always do. Like, and we just, I suppose in the past, would just be like, yeah, they're just a very charismatic person. Like, like Victor, legendary door knocker, would, like, always find a way to just, like, chat to someone about their lives and get them talking. And so then realising, I suppose, more specifically, that building a rapport with someone, finding out about how their life works is the best way to then, like, redirecting it in a political manner. Yeah. It's a good start. Um, I have a bit of an inkling that part of this is because of, the, like, the, the difference in structures 
of like people's lives in like neoliberalism and Fordism. And I think I'm like, I'm a big urban boy. I like, I like the right to the city. And I think this, like this, uh, this kind of like meeting people and talking to about their lives in the way that these lives relate to the, the productive space for capitalism. That is the city mm. is, is part of what's happening. I think that's, I don't know. I, I think, that never fully formed that that idea. No, I think you're right, Deckers, in the sense that actually a lot of our like early versions of talking about people's lives were related to the ha- how they related to the city mm. and their like experience of the city, whether it be overdevelopment or like not being able to afford public transport or housing or renters' rights and things like that. Um, and like if you grow up in those ur- like uh, urban environments, you have very direct material experiences. Like not to say that no one else does, or lots of people do. But that was the early way that we related to it, I think. Yeah, and I think like part of this is that like the the formal structure of capitalism that people engage with, they don't have this sense of like working in a workplace that is like really tangibly related to to production. Like I think a lot of people don't really see their work as kind of like part of of that framework, and mm. and a lot of, and sometimes it just isn't. Like it's part of the reason why. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Also, I just don't think they see it as a place where things can change. Mm. We were at, we had that event recently, the like 18 years Greens government one. It was a bunch of long, young lefties in the room and we got everyone to put up their hand who was in a member of their trade union. And like three people put up their hand and like these mm. aren't anti-work or anti-union people. It'll it was, just be people who've never been in a workplace that, yeah. like, that has a union. Like the, well, only, the only time I've been asked to work, like asked to join a union in a place I've worked is when I worked for a union. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no. Um, oh, no, not same. I worked in after school care, but I was recruited by someone who was... Anyway, like involved in politics. I haven't um, had, like, I've never had like a stable enough like. Uh, I suppose I worked with the public service for like a year, and I should have joined the APSU back then. But uh, yeah, like never had a stable enough working environment to ever be in a union. Looking forward to being a teacher because the teachers' unions are bullshit. So yeah, well, certainly the members are the leadership aren't. But um, and so I think if you don't think that like you never experienced even the concept or even aware really of the concept of collective power in the workplace. Mm. Even if your workplace is like explicitly productive, I would, uh, you know, I don't think you necessarily, you probably never really imagined that that's a place where democracy applies. Yeah. If or, anything, you are more disciplined when you were at the workplace than in the rest of your life. Like it is the place where you're the least powerful. Yes, that's right. Like you, and you know, you don't get to vote to elect your bosses or anything like that, yeah. obviously. Um, and so I think that's the other, t- like one of the other things I think we've learned is like, there's something particularly powerful at the moment I find in um, giving people a sense that their material working lives and conditions are something that should change and can change with collective power. Mm. And one of the first barriers to breaking, and I think this is the thing around community, like quote unquote community organizing or going to people's doors is because a lot of workplaces are disparate and fractured. Schools, I think is one of the few ones that aren't. Um, We could probably have another podcast about, how important it is, like why I think teachers are probably one of the linchpins in terms of wielding industrial power. But um, like then actually finding people at their doors is one of the best ways to go and organize people. Mm. Yeah, like uh, one of the ways in which door knocking can change the people who are actually door knocking, like I suppose, reframing the problems politically. Yes, exactly. Should we talk about what door knocking is? Yeah. Because we did it last time, but I think we, we did it in a little bit of a roundabout way. Yeah. I think... And now, if anything, we're more sophisticated at it. I think we're heaps, heaps better at it. What What do you reckon we're doing now? Like, well, well, 
No. What do you either? What do you reckon we're doing now that we weren't doing then? Or like, how do you describe Donald looking to a new person? You can answer either of these questions. Whatever. Like, uh, <laughs> it's probably more of an evolution than a revolution. Like, it's still the things that have changed are mostly how how seriously we take training and um, I think also there's some benefit of a few wins on the board and a little bit of less urgency <laughs> like I can take out a new door knocker and like feel okay if we don't hear that many doors but I do get to have a really good conversation with that new volunteer about how important this is and like have a really long conversation with like an elderly person whose mind we're never going to change because they're not even sure about what decade it is but like having that good conversation with with someone like it's just a community service really and it like it's so valuable for the volunteers to feel like they're not just part of some kind of cold machine but one that has like a real purpose so i think yeah i think taking seriously uh life knocking and like trying to get to know the people we're talking to as much as possible um is one of the important new tenants what you were saying about life knocking and training was Struck remind me of something I was going to say before when Max was speaking about um when the when we were doing the last like life knocking training I was really curious because like you kept being like oh well like when you're asking about people's lives really what you're asking about is like where they earn their money from and how they survive yes yeah, yeah. and the way that it was really just trying to teach people to, it was really just being like you can you can ask people about their class without just saying like do you think of yourself as working class yes I think it's a good point Deckers mm. um for the listeners we've started running. Um, life knocking trainings. Um, they've been f- they were formalised out of it, like the early experiences I had door knocking at the moment, where Matt Holton, who analyses our door knocking notes, started noticing a major divergence in the notes that I was taking compared to other people. And like we thought about this, and he was like, "Well, what appears to be happening is those notes seem to be like mentioning their jobs and their incomes and their working conditions a lot more." Mm. Um, and so that's what those trainings have essentially formalized. But I think that's a very good point, Deck, is that essentially it's attempt, like it's in a way, it's the closest we've come to attempting to create a new sense of class. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually like attempting to create some sort of class consciousness here where like, yes. it's definitely something that I felt like I was doing in other, doing before I started like doing it in this quite deliberate way. Like, yes. Like, oh, you definitely did. And, and I think Ryan's right in the sense that like our most charismatic like most experienced door knockers did it. I think what I found helpful, even after when I run the training the next day, when I go door knocking, like I'll find, um, like that's when I'm the structure's most fresh in my head and I'll really step through the processes. And even like for me, that really improves, like it ekes out a few things that I otherwise wouldn't have done into my more, as all of us have our own styles and ways of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing is like, it's, it's some of our most charismatic door knockers that probably were already doing it, but it's also some of the ones that I think have the most like intuitive, like, like their brain has really become like completely native into, in socialist politics. Right. Like they've yeah. got this, like they, they think about the world through this like historical materialist lens. And so like when they're asking questions that they're, they're really trying to get at, like they really are like looking for, for some of these clues that like p- place people into this like like historical social like and socialist like materialist context and and I think that's why starting to train people about it is is like a, a really like important new thing for our movement because yes. we've we've been doing our training has always been pretty good at teaching people how to think about like how to think about like what these policies mean and I think mm. even like to some extent training people to think about like 
class war social democracy and like what like say winning like universal public housing would mean for the working class's mm. ability to like fight for its own interests but this is the first time that we've started teaching people how to talk to other people about class and to relate to other people like through the like at the at the realm of class and yeah i'm really really pleased about it no i yeah and actually i've got a lot of that like every time we run the training i get like people's the observations people make in the trainings like adds to the next training mm. like that um i'd like to claim that point like that um observation that really what this training was about was like how much money people had and where they got it uh but um that was just like one of the volunteers was like at the end was like oh max it sounds like what this training's really about is this and i was like mm. oh <laughs> <laughs> that's true should we say like formally what structurally what door knocking is so door knocking is like <laughs> yeah we yeah, absolutely should no yeah. no we started saying what is door knocking a while ago and then we got a little bit excited yeah so Door knocking essentially is probably the primary strategy by which we um, win votes uh, in elections. And mm. the way that we do it is we uh, have a group of people that will meet, say, in a local park or in a, a volunteer's house, um, somewhere across the electorate in a random suburb, and we will have a clipboard, we'll have um, a, a experienced door knockers who team up with the new people who've come along, and the new people often will just tag along and watch an experienced person. And the structure is we go to knock on someone's door and we ask what their issues are, what they do for work, you know, what they think about politics. We have a conversation about it and then we relate it to the policies that we're campaigning on. And we try to convince them that this time is a good time to vote Greens. And if they're really enthusiastic, try to convince them to come and join our volunteer movement, come along to one of our training events or something like that. Is that, yeah. is that a reasonable That's summary? That's an extremely reasonable summary and like we keep data on this like we try and make this as sophisticated as possible so we know who has door knocked who and when and try not to bug people too often and like there's layers and layers and all of that but like fundamentally yeah we're just trying to talk to everyone in our electorate like the there's still the cold mathematical hope of Sweeney enough votes to win an election at the at the heart of it, but one in three uh, door knocking conversations changes <laughs> the vote green for the first time, yeah. and you can really calculate exactly how many conversations you need to have to win to make up X swing. Don't yeah, that, that's it. it don't but that you can. um, what uh, although when we've looked back at it, it's often way better than one in three. So well, I we went, did just make that number up. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, um, <laughs> it came <laughs> technically. Yeah, technically, no, that's not true. Technically, it came from early Obama field organizing in two thousand and eight. Um, well, they made it up then. Uh, and but in the like, I went back and looked at all the data, and like in the Gabba Award sixteen, the conversion yeah, rate was one hundred and twenty percent. We've always done way better, but we have been like, uh, I suppose it's we maybe out in. Like it's been good. It's been we've been in good territory that was ripe for the picking and South Brisbane twenty twenty where we won was one and three. Yeah, there we go. That's what I mean. That's something yeah. where I think that that checks out. Like we'd already gotten a lot of the easy votes in twenty seventeen, and we're really trying to push the rest of the electorate to mm. deal with the inevitable. Um, I love this. Should can you guys go to like tell your like favorite door knocking story? <laughs> like just yeah, because I, I think that's a really good way of illustrating the like because you know what we haven't really enjoyed. I think touched on this. Like illustrates this brilliantly in our essay, but then face to face. Oh yeah, absolutely read that, please. And like we'll put it in the links, link in the show notes. It's fucking good. But that sense of collective solidarity and joy, and just for the first time, when you do it, those people that do it for the first time, and like have this just genuine experience of empowerment. Yeah, like I, I, I suppose I'm going to start. I can't even really remember this properly, but like the reason I got sucked into door knocking many, many years ago was. 
my first ever door knock, which is even pre-Max, um, it was for Jono's state campaign in 2015, and it was like a hot mess. There was not a single person there who had ever door knocked before, so the training was just cursory. And we went out in pairs of unexperienced people just backing each other up, and most of the conversations I had were hilariously awkward. The person I went out with was also awkward. But I had one good conversation with one person and just got to chat to them like a normal human being and convinced them to vote green. Like, I saw their mind change in front of oh, me. Oh, it's so good. And it's just, like, absolute crack. It is like, crack. It's absolutely... It's, it's, <laughs> I now need it to live. Like, yeah, yeah. If, I, like <laughs> if I don't get it for a couple of weeks, yeah. my mood gets weird. Like. Yeah, and so yeah like, absolutely. I wonder, like, at the, in, in the office, like, if I'm at, like... Because I pretty much draw knock every day at the moment. Sometimes I'll have like consecutive days where I can't because we've just got events and stuff in the evening. And like the other week, I like got to Friday and I was like, "Why do I feel so grumpy?" And I was like, like "I haven't door knocked in three days." It's a little twitchy today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's it. That's it. Like fellow millennials, like you're all so alienated, and the world feels insane, and like there's nothing you can do. But no, you can go talk to people and change their mind. Yeah, and, and like I think that that takes on like the social context thing that we were trying to say before is like. Neoliberalism has been a project, like a political project of alienating and separating us from each other. And this is this is the strategy that responds to that in the like the most direct way, where you go and find someone you don't know and say, Hey, what up? Like yeah. let's talk I think about it's our really feelings. Important. I think it's really important that like, yes, we think we can like actually point to numbers that this works, like electorally, and this can help change people's minds and can help reframe political stuff, but the biggest changes happen on the people who do it. Like, our volunteers and the experiences they have, like, change you. Like, like it's called praxis for a reason, I suppose. And, like I, su- like, I used to be a lot more of, like, a kind of technocrat and a bit more of a liberal and not, like, so fucking bullshit. But the more you just speak to regular people and, like, it really does change you. Like, it helps you become a good socialist. Like, and it helps you feel less alone and less, like, dispowered. So, so, so important to go out there, even if it seems like you do a bad job of it. Like, also, one of my other stories I think that's really important is that I've been doing this now for, like, four or five years or something. It's stupid. And every single weekend on my first door, I'm sort of like, oh, do I want to do this? Do I have the energy? Like, I'm not necessarily a naturally social person. And I'm like, ah, I don't really feel like it. And by the end of the door knock, I'm like, this is great. Like, I needed to do this. I feel so good. Like, even... even It feels like you've gone on a run. Yeah, but and for so, your brain and socialism. Yeah, right. And like, it's not even if you think if you think you're gonna have a bad do a bad job of it or not enjoy it. I think that every weekend and then I just do it, and then afterwards I'm like, okay, that was good. Yeah, it's exactly like going on a run. You don't want to go on a run, but after you've been on a run, you feel good. Um, I'm trying to think about like my favorite door knock, and I I forget. Like, I really do. I've had so many conversations over the years that have just left me feeling so. Like, just excited and delighted. But the last one that comes to mind was... I'd had a crappy door knock. Um, a mistake happened that doesn't normally happen. I'm glad it happened to me, where I I got a list that had been door knocked really recently. And by me. By Max. <laughs> yeah. um, which, like, I just got to say, following the candidate, not ideal. Um, um, I had a few people be like, yeah, that guy came around. And I was like, yeah, like, like, a guy? And they were like, no, that, that guy. guy. That guy on the flyers. <laughs> that, that guy, guy. whose picture you're holding. For listeners, that's only happened once this campaign and never happen again. Yeah, no, it's tiny mistakes happen from time to time in massive organizations. I'm sure that wasn't someone's fault directly in this room. Uh, 
yeah, it could have been someone's fault directly in this room. <laughs> well, I door knocked it, but uh, thankfully I'm not in charge of that the back end um, stuff. But yeah, you know, I door knocked, so it was my fault. But but so that was kind of like like it was. I just didn't actually get to talk to anyone, and one of the only people I did talk to was like a really weird Christian who like gave me some shit, which you don't normally get, but it does happen from time to time. Oh, it's happened to me like twice, right? It's, yeah, like it's. I think I think that's probably the most antagonistic response I've got at the door for. At least two years. Mm. Um, the most antagonistic response I got to was in a shouting match about abortion, but I was like a very—I was very tired that day. I shouldn't have. Yeah, got into that. That would have happened with this guy if I wanted to push back, but yeah, I was obviously just like, "Bye, have a nice day." I would yeah. never talk to another person like that. I think you're weird. Bye. Yeah, that was—that's a sensible response. But sometimes um, you're too tired. But then I got a new list and went out and met this 77-year-old fucking hero. Absolutely lovely guy. He was like, oh, you know, I don't like politics, no real issues. Like, I mean, I guess the traffic's a bit of an issue. We didn't even really talk about... Like, I didn't really find an issue and politicise him on that. I think he was just frustrated with politics. I talked a lot about how everyone says the same stuff, and he was frustrated that, like... Yeah, I think he was just frustrated that, that no one's articulating anything interesting in the, at all. And we just mm. got along really well. Like, I, I, he could tell that I thought he was a good guy, and and I can tell that he thought I was a good guy. We obviously really got along. Yeah. And we won his vote green for the first time. The seventy-seven-year-old bloke, Labor voter his whole life. He, you know, spent a life on the tools, and it felt great. Like it, it felt so good seeing like his eyes sparkle as he like changed his mind about what he's going to do yeah and it's like you, you can tell it's like liberating for people as well like because a lot of it a lot of it does just come like the currency that we trade in the most i would argue is hope because i think actually one of the role like labor party's most effective tool these days is crushing hope and lowering expectations and i think mm. we've talked about that before it's all that they're capable of doing yeah, which is, and it's scare, like it's a way of scaring people into thinking that you can only, the only thing you can hope for is something slightly marginally better than the Liberal Party. And if you yeah. go for anything else, you risk everything. Yeah. And like a lot of our work is just encountering people who we share our politics with, but we just need to overcome that fear. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like the number, like most, no, uh, whatever. A lot of people agree with you and want good things. That's the other thing that's good oh, about yeah. door knocking. Is like I mean, I you feel better about people. What What you realize door knocking is that even without the language for it, most people are in their heart of heart socialists. Like yeah. mm-hmm. that the the reason that we don't have socialism is because power is real and exists, and it prevents people from doing it. Like yeah. prevents us from building that world. But yeah. like one of my favorite things to hear at a door is like ah oh, like I'm I'm not left wing or like uh, mm. I'm a real conservative. Because, like, half of those guys don't know how, like, they've just bought into the sort of, like, the culture and they don't realise how much they actually agree with you. Oh, yeah. I remember explaining the Labour theory of value to a guy who started with that and he was just like, yeah, you're absolutely right. It is really frustrating. I mean, I didn't call it the Labour theory of value. I was like, don't you, like, but don't you think it's frustrating how, like, like you know, like, your boss has, like, this, like, they put, put like, X money into the thing and then they get X money out, but, like, that's not real. Where's X money out coming from? Like, mm. it's coming from the work you do minus the value they get when they sell that stuff that you do. And he was like, yeah, I know. I've always been really frustrated by that. I'm like, yeah, man, you're conservative <laughs> AF. Like, <laughs> that's real conservative. I have, a, obviously, I have a lot of, like, I have a lot of, like, stories that really... Talk about one from this other, I reckon. No, this is nuts. It's fresh. That's fresh. Well, actually, the one I was going to talk about 
that like really um for me stands out recently was just because the change in mood over the course of the conversation mm. from like s- like harried busy distraction to like anger then happiness yeah nice um was in um where was i i think i was in a, a section of cannon hill um and like went to the door and this woman came to the door and was like clearly cooking she had like a things like a uh, napkin uh, tea towels slung over her shoulder <coughs> two kids like like crying in the background and she like came to the door looking very distracted yeah, and like who the hell is yeah, he yeah yeah sort of like what are you doing and she's like oh okay yep sure okay you're, yep green's candidate yeah look I'm, I'm cooking and I was like um oh because I could see on her um like on her uh like she had a nurse's uniform on and she had like wool and gabba like sort of like a dental clinic thing and I was like, oh, dentist, you know, one of the big things we're talking about heaps is um, dental and to Medicare. I just threw it out being like, well, there's a Hail Mary. I can see that you're a dental nurse. So like, let's see where this goes. Yeah, why not? And then she was like, she was literally like, and I think I've told this story at a few volunteer events, but uh, like, no lie. She was literally like, she paused for a second, looked at me and was like, Daryl, yeah, Daryl, turn the stove off. (laughs) And then she turned around and was like, all right. (laughs) And just like, and we just had this wild ranging (laughs) conversation about how fucked it was that working people like, you know, made, you know, did all the work in this society and didn't get nearly enough pay. We had to draw down on our super to pay the rent last year. It's fucking bullshit. It just went to a fucking landlord, you know, and she's like working people work hard in this country and they get nothing back. And we just talked about how fucked it was that billionaires, you know, and you could see her getting over the course of it. I, eventually like like all I would have to do is occasionally like yeah that's fucked and then she'd go <laughs> off again um, and she just like she was like a kid was coming out and, like tugging on her and she's like yeah 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 just wait a second I need <laughs> to get this off my chest I never yeah. even knew I needed to get this off it's yeah. just I really do but it was and it was it went and then like halfway through I was like you know you could be a fantastic candidate like I feel inspired <laughs> and she was like oh no I could never do that and it was like and then towards the end she started getting a bit happier because it was like I was being like, well, look, we can win and this is our... And then Mm. I literally... Because then she looked a bit sceptical. So I just took the time to explain the strategy. I was like, okay, so you know this conversation we're having now? We plan to have 32,000 of them. And it's not just me. It's like hundreds of volunteers. And we think we can... Like these... If we can get that many conversations, we'll win that many votes and we'll win the seat. And if we win the seat, we've got a good chance of getting in the balance of power and using that leverage to get things like dental and Medicare. And, And even if we don't, we've built the capacity to go and roll that campaign out in other seats. And she was like really engaging with it. And this is a very a, a like otherwise apolitical person. And it, towards then she got happy. Like it literally went from distraction to sort of like anger and a bit of despair and happy at the end. And her and I were just like la- like it was like genuinely a little bit joyous. And she was like, "All right, bye, Max, and like good luck." And like you know, and she otherwise was too busy to volunteer. But I this that conversation still stands out because a the comical like. Turn the stove off, like. But also, just um, fuck me, like. I think the other thing that door knocking does, especially when you have conversations like that, is it really does remind you that working people have the capacity. A, they have they um they deal in the in the best aspects of humanity. Mm. Like they really do. Like they the instincts that working people have when you talk to them so often are just beautiful. Like. Just incredible. But two, fuck me, they can wield a lot of power. I mean, like, we know this, right? But, like, watch that, like, class rage come out in this Mm. organic way. 
and they artic- and people at the door, as we all say all the time, articulate it way better than often anyone who's fucking studied political science does. And oh yeah, no, studying political science is is, is bad for you. Then you don't understand. You anything. don't. Yeah, yeah. D- don't do it. <laughs> like literally, every year you do it, you lose knowledge. Um, yeah. Your white matter is degrading as you speak. But anyway, that was my standout, and it was just I was like had a skip in my step for like days afterwards. It just felt amazing. Yeah. That's a great example of like the multiple ways in which Donald can changes people happening literally at once. Like we probably changed a vote, and then also like our strategy isn't opaque at all like it's as clear as possible like we love to explain our strategy to people as we're doing it to people it was like do you know that talking to people works like i'm talking to you right now <laughs> like exactly and that that can provide hope by providing like a tangible method yeah i, I think i would do it in like 50 percent of the conversations i have is be like yeah. well like what i'm doing is like what we're doing like what if we if we can do this as this this many times we've found about this many people change their vote we should be able to win, yeah. and yeah, and it works in a very. And we can do it again. Like if we can do it once, we can do it again, and we can keep building power until we've we can actually confront where real power lies in Australia, in, a, in Australian society and see where we go from there. Yeah, and I think the on that in terms of changing us and giving hope mm-hmm. is, um, I think one of the other things about a lot of the left is it, um thinks of everyday people, ordinary people with contempt. Like it, oh, so like, much. It's it's so clear. Yeah. It's just scratch it. It's just beneath the surface. Oh, yeah. And like everyone's like racist and sexist and awful and small-minded and nasty. And that's why the way things are. And um, I don't believe that. And like, I, like, yeah, yeah. It's, I it's, learn- it. it's also like a kind of learned helplessness. Yeah, like, yeah, like, it is. But, but you, you can't help but sort of inculcated a little bit in the sense that it's just there constantly in the background. Like if you're anywhere well, that's, any left. That's exactly. the common sense. Like, like, if, if, like it's, it's the hegemonic common sense of, of like our day and age is that the reason we can't have nice things is because p- deep down people don't deserve them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. exactly. And, and actually reject them. And then when you go door knocking, the faith, like it just, faith in humanity is restored. Is, Immediately restored, just again and again and again. It's yeah. a, and that's why and that's why I'm addicted. Like it's why I yeah. literally cannot stop. Stop is because I need faith in humanity to survive. Yeah, do you listen? I go there every week, and I'm like, oh, that's right. I, we yeah. love each other. Like, like we don't know each other, and we don't like mean it like that. But like, just because you're you're and me, you're I'm me. Like we understand that we're the same in our society, and that we should fucking look after each other. Yeah, it's and that- I assume our listeners are a lot like us. So like overeducated and like two online and all of that combination of thing like like puts you with a bunch of other people who have those same problems and yeah like you just then it's just buried deep in all of that yeah is the understanding that people are probably a bit shit and that like you have to manage them in some way as opposed to just like if like the true like if we just gave most people the power to to rule their lives things would be a fuckload better like people are good yeah, it's just like you know the way like after a natural disaster people go and look after each other yeah yeah like, like the, just... after the Brisbane floods like and I, in terms of conversations I had today like you know I spoke said at the start like you know people just randomly up and like I think we should build more public housing and it's like you mm. immediately adopted a position to the left of pretty much 99% <laughs> of the political class yeah and it's yeah, like, yeah exactly and it's like or like, like you're even on the left of the Greens, sadly. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, like, I mean, like even the federal, the federal Greens policy is a million public homes. So you're like, yeah, yeah, but we've pushed it. Like it, it, that's the thing that wasn't the case in the past. No, that's true. Um, yeah, and I, it's just it, like it. Um, it's. Uh, I feel like it's something that should be mandatory for pe- like, for people 
who, even if it's not door knocking for electoral politics, I think it's a good framework to do that. Like, I honestly think it's the I, best framework. I think, I, like, I've been thinking about this a lot because I do think, like, I think everyone should be door knocking no matter what their campaign. Um, yes. I think, I, think there's, I think there's something about electoral politics which people seem to understand that, like, I think people think of that's what politics is at the moment. I don't think many people like have a have a bit of a like have much of a conception of workplace politics or outside of a few select workplaces and a few select yeah yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. But, like it's definitely a... some, but like I think most people would understand politics to exist solely at the realm of parliament. Um, yeah, and that's that's a that's a real tragedy. But um, but I think that's probably where most people are at. And so or, it's, I suppose it's at least a way to talk to people about their lives and, and make it political. And mm. there's probably like there's definitely other ways to do it. I think you, I think no matter what your campaign and what like what you're doing you should go and find people who don't already agree with you and fucking find out why not yeah um i think like i mean mostly it works on our, our volunteers like like it would be hard to mobilize as many people as you mobilize for a union because they work for different people and like but we can coalesce a certain number of volunteers on a political campaign because our volunteers are from like they understand that like okay they understand the whole balance of power argument that like we can win this fucking seat and then that could wield a lot of power in and of itself mm. so like that's how we concentrate it like if it would work on other things but you how do you find thousands of people willing to to door knock for you when you're an uber driver like it's just what we've got right now and we just have to wield it yeah i think it's also declan outside of parliamentary policy i think it's also the concept of the party like and um like the the concept of a political party that can intervene in society and build power in society that like cuts across workplaces but it has a has a consistent set of politics that like describes building working power and a way of intervening in that and like i think even if you're outside electoral politics like the political party as an institution i find is really useful um to organize this sort of campaigning around um, and people get that, like, oh, you're from the Greens <laughs> political party. Um, you know, and I feel like even when we've done one or two door knocks outside of electoral politics for things, and people understand that if you're from the Greens, you're like, oh, you're organising on the basis of a relative set of values that I understand yeah. and I relate to in a certain yeah. way. And sometimes that you're, like, opposed to, but then that still gives you a way to talk to them about it and whatever. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and obviously we've talked a lot about people, like, you know, people, um, we're committed... Like, I think 90% of our work often is fight. Like, most people already agree with us. It's just giving them hope and convincing them of a pathway of change. Yeah. There's also occasionally people we run into who, like, do in some way have some disagreement that we have to overcome. Um, like, I don't, I, it's not. Absolutely. It, like, yeah. Obviously, we're not. Like, we don't door knock and then get 100% of the vote. Like, no. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Yeah, we don't win every vote. We, we, don't, we don't win the vote of every person we talk to. We don't, like, you know, even people, even, like, some of our really good door knockers, mm. and, like, I'd consider myself really good at this. Mm. Like, I know that, like, there's people who already agree more, like, agree with me more than they don't, who I can't convince to change. I mean, it's, like, it's, yes. it's, it's, like, it's like, always exactly the same person, and they're 72, they're, like, they're a Labour voter and they've got a fair bit in super and they, like... But otherwise, probably a deep down oh. a socialist and that's probably, like, how they understand themselves. I spoke to this beautiful old dear. It was exactly that. Like, she was in her... Probably in her early 70s and she was like, Oh, the Greens? Yes, no, I agree with you a lot. I think I might have voted for you last time. And, like, she was like, Environmentalism is really important and, like, I do love that Adam Bandit, he is a he's a good guy. I love that he... Rename him. Adam should rename his... Yeah, absolutely. Adam Bandit. Adam <laughs> Bandit, yeah. 
the, the Adam's Bandits. Bandit Storms Parliament <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. And, and she was like, she was wonderful and she was like, gave me every indication that she was like, uh, like a powerful green supporter. Uh, and she also, she also talked about how Greta Thunberg was lovely. Like she clearly environmentalism had like worked on her or whatever. Um, but then I was like, uh, like, oh, hey, cool. Well, like, would you would you mind putting up uh, a placard for us? Would you mind putting up Max's face when the election comes around so that you can, like, signal to the public that you're a Max supporter? And she was like, oh, no, no, I'll be putting up a, up a Labour sign, obviously, because she had, like, she was an immigrant and, like, decades ago, like, uh, when she first arrived, like, like s- the, someone in the union helped her find a job and, like, there was this, this, this deep decades long loyalty because of that and it's just like like you can't help but but respect it but it's like the labor party hasn't been good <laughs> or done anything good for you for decades and you're still repping them and it's just absolutely tragic so i was also just sort of alluding to those ones where you actually have to step people through like have a almost a political discussion argument with them to shift them um often it's not by encountering their like their disagreement directly but more finding another way to relate to people Mm. um like i'm just thinking of you know people who who like oh i don't like the greenies like i don't like your um stance on refugees or i don't like your stance on climate change Mm. and like i've always find it interesting that like you know if you bring up privatization in particular as a classic one with those sort of people where you're like we we like oh what do you think about all the asset sales over the last few over the last few decades and they get really angry about it. The real most people are really opposed to privatization. I think it's bullshit. Labor and the Liberal Party did that, and it's always amazing that it's always a pathway back to then like changing their politics, but mm. in an indirect way because you're like yeah because I just think that big corporations wield enormous amounts of power in Australian politics, and that's why they got cheap asset sales and they made billions of dollars off this. And you know I think they're the ones that fuck up politics. They're the ones that wield power. And, like, the only way we're going to beat them is if we, you know, we get together in our neighbourhoods and our people and we fight back. And they're like, yeah. And all of a sudden they're agreeing with a set of politics that at the start they may not necessarily have agreed with. Yeah, absolutely. Like, privatisation is super powerful with the, like, uh, I think the, like, the rhetoric that government should be run as a business works on a really deep level for people, but then... It doesn't follow, like, if we ran government as a business, should we sell off all of our assets really cheaply? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, 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 people are just super angry at the concept of, of asset sales. Like, it's clearly stupid. Um, should we talk about the debrief? Because I think that's probably one of the, like, the most important parts of door knocking. Yes. Um, yeah, go ahead, Deckers. What's the debrief? So after we door knock, we all come back together. People trickle in late because always the last door, like, well, oh, I've got 10 minutes. I'll go, I'll go one more door and then I'll, I'll come back. And that's when you meet like someone who's just so ready for a long conversation <laughs> and the, the rules and, they, and they'll always start the conversation by saying, oh, look, I'm a bit busy. Yeah. And yeah, you're like, classic. oh shit, I'm in for a long one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so like, we'll come back together and we'll like, and it's great because everyone's on such a high because like most people will have had two or three really exciting conversations with someone they didn't like imagine existed who like agrees with them and all these things and is about to vote green and was never going to do it before. Um, everyone's talking to everybody else about like their favorite, like couple of conversations. And then we try and like formalize it a little bit, but you're hearing so much of what everyone's doing and all these, like, all those slightly more experienced door knockers are being like, Oh, this is how I deal with that person. Or mm. like, Oh, it's so good. Like to like, or even just providing a little bit of political education and guidance by being like, oh, yeah, it's so great when people recognise that, like, recognise that, like, the reason that 
old people are getting like harassed by like real estate vultures to sell up their house so they can turn it into town like to units is because we treat housing as a commodity and always be like oh yeah you're right like we do treat housing as a commodity in that way and like this subtle way the political education is happening in those kind of spaces is really important and exciting and how i think good it feels to get better at something like door knocking is one of the things i've put the most time into getting better at <laughs> Which is just, like, a weird thing to think about. Like, obviously, that's the case for Max, because it's all he ever does. <laughs> but, like, uh, even just over the years of door knocking on every other weekend, like, you just get better at it. And how good it feels to, like, learn from other people and, like, literally, uh, like, apply a craft as well as you can. Yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. I'm, it's also, I think, in that process, like, definitely, I completely agree, there because it's, like, a really good process of political education. It's also a process of solidarity building. Mm. Like, because... Oh yeah, because you've you've had a shit one or some like oh, like yes. a shit couple of conversations. And I was like, oh yeah, well look, I guess you, it is really hard to win the vote of someone who owns like fifty million dollars. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, not even that. Yeah, that definitely, and like that sort of commiseration and like. Mm. But I mean, even just at a baser level, like, um, because door knocking, like, um, counterintuitively, it's a very individualizing, like process as like, you do it as yeah. you do it because often you're there by yourself yeah, and you, and you're getting yeah. tired and have to knock on another door or whatever. yeah and you have yeah. you know you have 10 conversations and you're like Ugh, well okay enough, right? yeah, yeah yeah and then you get back and uh, like then there might be 10 other people there and you've had 100 conversations and yep. or and like you've had zero conversations like you've had the worst ever list you just like, no, no one was home no one was home everyone was home and yeah. hated you on site yeah, and so you get back, and but between you, you've had a hundred conversations. That's it, and you're like, I contributed to this. Yeah, because I took I had one the of bad the bad list. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. right, and someone had someone to take, had it. To take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Big. And and I think like because Joe describes this brilliantly in her essay, but you read the essay. Yeah, yeah, read the essay. Truly, it's fantastic. Um, like you, you have this just like it's just a it's it's proper basic comradeship and yeah. solidarity it's yeah, this yeah. Com- like feeling of comradely love and affection for everyone else there you've all g- had like, the same experience yeah. you've had yeah, a collective yeah. experience of attempting to change the world and you've <laughs> all done and it's equalising you know because everyone there has just done the same thing they've got the same like yeah. a list they've gone and had a couple of conversations and then everyone regardless if you're the candidate the campaign manager and organiser you all just go around in a circle and talk about what you did mm. and I think it's at those points um, where, because I always refer back to them when I'm trying to describe to people why I genuinely think that the Greens could form government in 18 years, and it's like, sure, that's just imagine at a debrief, right? And you've and 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 a hundred conversations have had, and maybe you've changed 30 or 40 votes, and if that's the case, if we're intervening in society in that way and it's working, then the only limitation is our capacity to build our campaigns and do this at a greater scale, and I think it's at that scale of the debrief where I think that that realisation is very real for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, like, it it always comes really clear to me at the debrief that, like, oh, shit, okay, we just won this many votes. Like, mm. we just ticked mm. them off. We don't need to win them again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, ne- okay, like, if we do the same next weekend, then we're, we're just... You just... You feel this sense of, like, inexorably growing closer and closer to the yeah. ultimate victory in communism. As opposed yeah. to leaving a rally and not sh- knowing exactly. what the fuck like, like just happened. Sometimes, sometimes rallies, like are so alienating and demobilizing. You can be in the same place with thousands of people who want the same thing, and then afterwards you're like, what the fuck happened? Whereas I can go... With 10 people. With 10 people, and you've all had the same experience, and you swung, like, I don't know, three votes between you or whatever, but... You've moved the the dial. Yeah. And yes, exactly. And you're building camaraderie. 
Well, because oh, I think, like, something about, like, going to a protest, and this isn't true of all protests. Some, like, I've, like, walked away from being like, oh, yeah. and it's fuck, still- there was a lot of us and we actually did demonstrate that, like, there, there is, like, a consensus in society around this Absolutely. issue. And, I and think it's still important. There is, of course. Well, I'm power in the streets, baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, it can be such an individualizing experience. You go with maybe one or two people you know, you don't talk to anyone you don't already know there, and you leave... And that can be your experience of a protest. And it's it's so disheartening if, like, for example, that protest had, like, 200 people and, like, you didn't do anything. No, and I, what I find interesting, like, obviously protest is still important, but I think Ryan's observation is very true and very, ca- again, counterintuitive. So you can be a crowd of 10,000 people and leave and mm. feel completely powerless, but you can be in a crew of 10 and people and leave and, f- and like, door knocking and yeah. feel exceptionally powerful. Yeah, over the years there are fellow campaigners that are like burned onto my soul and I like only ever see them doing this one thing. Like, yeah. like we don't, like our lives don't intersect in any other way but it's like, no, like we have spent time together on a, on a, on a common task and yeah, that's part of this. A task that works, right? And, and, and shifts things and builds something and like, and, and you notice, and you notice is changing society in some way. And changing yourself. Yes, and changing Very yourself. Um, should we wrap up by talking how you get good at door knocking? Yeah, let's do it. How do you get good at door knocking? Firstly, you trust uh, yourself. Trust that you can do it. Like, yourself. no, like so many Back peop- yourself. So many people are so nervous about talking to a stranger. Oh, absolutely, and they forget that like you've been. So we should be addressed the like the number one concern is that you don't know policy in and out or in particular depth. Never comes up. Never comes up. Neither do I. It happens sometimes, but it doesn't matter. Like, Only with some real nerds. Huge nerds. And we fuck don't care nerds, about nerds anyway. No, like, I love nerds. <laughs> I love some bullets. Because everyone here is a giant nerd and yeah. all the people listening I'm are obviously not, huge How nerds. dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I've Deckers. never been a nerd. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> but, but most people, when you talk to them, as we've established, like they just have busy lives and like politics seems alien and stupid to them and it's just about building fellow humanity with one another. The most you might need to know is the Greens want dental into Medicare and want to tax billionaires. They absolutely want dental into Medicare. It's the only policy that matters and, and it's going to win and yeah. work. And build public housing, you know, in a, in a vague sense. But yeah. Policies are on the fly. You can read it just before you go out. Yeah, and that's that's often... Like, I think, yeah, I agree. Going and doing it and just teaming up with people and then throwing mm-hmm. back... I agree, Deckers. Having a go at doing the introduction, having a go at intervening and asking a few questions... Go to some of the trainings if they're like your campaign you're involved in runs them. Training's really good. Listen at the debriefs. Listen to what other people have to say. Yep. Uh, Remember that you've been learning how to talk since you were born, uh, (laughs) that you can probably do it by now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Even if you're bad for a while, you will get better. It doesn't matter. Like, it's fine. And and that most people will be quite generous with you. Um, oh, 90% of people. So people, people are nice. Except the only experience I've had... Especially if you're actually, like... I think the weaker you are as a door knocker, the more generous people are. Like, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah, I genuinely reals. feel like people... They up their difficulty level. They with up you. their difficulty level. They, yeah. Like, they, yeah. They, they, if, they, if you're one of these attractive motherfuckers rocking up with like a slick speech, they're like, all right, you better convince me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whereas if you're just like, hello, sorry, I'm here from the green. Yeah. So they're yeah. like, do you need a glass of water, dear? The opposition yeah. play to your standard. Like, yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. It's it's like a video game. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, actually <laughs> dynamic difficulty settings for real. And if you're a le- yeah, <laughs> and if you're a level one Donoki, you're talking to level one voters, you know? Mm. People like... People are generous with you if you come there looking nervous and being like, hi, I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Well, you don't uh, say it like that. Yeah. Like, if you like, if you make it clear that you don't really know what you're doing, they're going to 
give you the but time like, of day because they don't want you to feel shit about yourself because they're much like you, a nice normal person who like, doesn't want strangers to feel shit about themselves. Mm-hmm. Like to to the round to the nearest ten in all of your years, how many people were genuinely rude or angry with you, Declan? Oh, probably about probably about a dozen. I but I like was, no, I, I no 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 but like that's over like ten that's yeah. over like, like five years four five years, years I think it's like ten people have been like genuinely angry or genuinely rude. yeah I I reckon about five years I reckon about a lot of people May, oh, to be honest less than ten maybe eight a lot of people are like bored or disgruntled or just are like oh, got something else to do and the more the better at it, you can still win those people. Anyway, yeah. it's like the AstraZeneca vaccine, you know, like, <laughs> it's yeah, like, you're not going to get the blood clot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, it's like one in a million. It's perfectly safe. Yeah. Anyway, it's safe to say that, like, if you're wondering about getting involved, crucial things to remember. When you rock up to a door knock and you've never done it before, you will be teamed up with an experienced person and all you have to do is watch. I mean, assuming you come to our campaign. Like, yes. I don't know, we can't speak for the rest of the country. Yeah, that's true. But, but, but um, also, if you are sent by yourself... Back yourself. Trust yourself. Baby. Like trust yourself as like as a competent person able to able to carry a conversation with someone you don't know. It's not it's really not that hard. Like, no, you don't need to know poli- all you need to do is ask know to ask what their issues are. Ask like some follow up questions like you're doing some networking, except you're just talking about their lives. And then <laughs> remember to ask them if they've ever thought about voting for the Greens before. Oh, and if not question. and if not, why not? Um, that's it. It's really it's really easy. I think that's probably the best, the single best thing about door knocking as a strategy that the left can employ in this particular moment is that it's real easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like spiders. They're as alienated and alone as you are, and they're as excited to talk to another human being in the flesh. I think that's the crucial thing as well. Is like I often say this: like if we were deploying this strategy forty years ago, then it wouldn't really work because yeah, because trade unions existed and um, were real. And like, yeah, exactly. Like one in two people had an experience of collective power outside of door knocking. But right now, we're playing we're playing politics on easy mode in a yeah. way. The opposition. Sucks. Also, it's, they it's a do tragedy yeah, that they are in power. They they own power as a result of inertia. Yeah, like, exactly. And also as a result of their tactic of like, like attempting to scare people and suck and uh, like yeah. ensure that they have no hope that anything meaningful could change ever. Yeah. And why on earth would you want to be? And as an aside, can I just say, <laughs> like, why the f- like? I was just watching the like the refugee stuff play out this week, and it's like, why the fuck would you want like? want to claim to be a proud active member of the Labour Party at this point like I genuine for me it is like it's genuinely astounding it's like the scope of our poli- like imagine being like going to the dorm like nothing much can change but what can change is like getting people to swallow razor blades as part of our like refugee strategy like that we want to drive people to do that like imagine going to someone being like don't like and they've brought up like social housing or yeah. like housing affordability something that they're stressed about and being like don't worry we've got a plan we're going to build 20,000 homes over a decade. Yeah, across the entire country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, what you're counting on that this person is a fucking idiot. Yes. And that they think that 20,000 homes over a decade will do anything for them. That they would be one of the lucky 20,000 who like, get into it. I, mean, so I think that's one, of my, one of my oldest friends is, is a lifelong Labour member. I've got some friends. And like I some think of my best friends are Labour members. Yeah, for reals. But I think the thing is that they they genuinely believe, and this is heartbreaking, that, that they can change it from within. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's worse than that. Those people are tragic. I don't even know if they really exist. No, it's just that like everything is 
ruined, we can ruin it slower than the LMP. Well, and that's, that's the and extent that's of the their my, politics. Well, that's, that's the, the ambition. That's, that's the, the ambition. That's their the ambition. ambition. The best humanity has to hope for is a slightly slower descent yeah, yeah, exactly. into like like ecological like by breakdown. The, by the time that ecological breakdown and like twenty million like climate refugees arrive, it's gonna be a, like a decade later than if the LMP were in power, and that is literally and fully what they believe in their heart of hearts. Well, I think also Declan like them walking up to the door and saying 20,000 homes. I think it's not even the point that they're trying to trick them. I think the point is to crush expectations. They're yeah. like, they've come to the door and because it has they come to the door? Well, no, do they, they probably, fucking no, door no, knock? They did not, like, no, not in It's on system. a Facebook square. Yeah, yeah, it's on a Facebook square. But I think, like, the point is to say, um, oh, we're the, alter- we're the only alternative and the only alternative is this small, slight turn of the dial. Mm. And that's all you can Yeah, it's, it's from 11 bad to 10 bad. They're, they're enti- actually, their, their primary political argument is if you vote for the Greens, you risk a Liberal government. Which, exactly. A, is just a lie. Like, that's mathematically not true and impossible. But, um, but the, pre- the po- underlying political premises is don't hope or yeah. expect for anything better. Exactly. The other thing I thought that might be worth touching upon is you were saying, you know, 40 years ago this wouldn't have worked. Probably... T- you know, 40 years in the future, it may not work either because... We'll be underwater. Well, no. Unless we win. Unless we win. <laughs> no, just because, like, it it works for at this stage of, like, a movement building. And it might, like, yeah. it might even take us all the way to, like... It might even take us all the way to majority government. I think it probably will, to yeah, be honest. Well, I genuinely... In 18 years, is my like, understanding. I think... <laughs> at this point, I, I've yet to see anything emerge that makes me think that we wouldn't be able to win government with this strategy. But in terms of, in terms of, like... Reshaping Australian after. society. Yes. Like, I, I don't think we'll be able to do that simply by door knocking. No. Like, and I don't think anyone does. No. Um, yeah. It's no, just that, like, at, at, but yeah. listeners, we will not fucking do it by posting. <laughs> yeah. We won't do it by posting, and, and we sure as hell won't be able to win anything more significant until we've been able to convince, a, like, a supermajority of people to buy in to the level of voting at a compulsory ballot for something that, like, for something more ambitious. Like, until we've built the expectations in society that they can they can want for more than 20,000 homes they're going to really struggle yeah. to exactly uh, like sign up to get drone struck in the military revolution i don't know what you freaks thinks about exactly. to happen but anyway <laughs> currently we're convincing exactly currently we're convincing exactly people currently arguing with many people on twitter <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 every single one of you fucking tankies yeah, yeah. let me let you know but it's um, like yeah exactly like the stakes are so low it's like will you in a secret ballot vote for something you agree with instead of something you've been beaten down over decades into expecting it to be worse than the alternative. Yeah, and I, yes, that's right. I think the other thing, Declan, is in the process of building the structures and the capacity where we can have a mil- one, 1.8 million conversations. That's which, how many it takes to win government. Yeah, well, we worked it out, but that's cumulatively <laughs> over 18 years. So I think in the last, yeah, like, in the year, in the, we mapped it out. And then in the election prior to forming government, we would need to have like 400 or 400,000 conversations. So, like... Klistikovs? Mm. No, conversations, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, the get to, like, building that capacity in itself builds our structure and capacity and our ability to intervene in society in other ways and build other structures. Like, if yeah, we well, could... Yeah, well, those door better... They know what to do now. They can well, we could run. Well, we could run campaigns around, you know, like, having, like, um, some form of, like, Unionizing community... Unionising Uber 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, some sort of community-led strike in a particular area. Like, or the we entire could, economy. Yeah, yeah. Like, we could, like, force like block like if we had that many the people ports. we could finally win like well you we could but you could also <laughs> finally win fights around property development and get them to be turned into public housing and I think also you can intervene in trade unions and actually make them more radical Good. and left wing and mm. and make and and ins- and you turn that organizing power 
into um, into an ability to intervene in union elections to change the leadership of those unions so that they go off in a different, better direction. Yeah, and, and like Correct. build the capacity to intervene like in, in capitalism in the realm of production. Yes. And, but I think what's really important about all of this is that like like the basis of politics is talking to someone who doesn't already agree with you and convincing them to agree with you and then take a step like because they now agree and like whether that's like to go on a strike or whether that's to vote one greens it's actually that's to come out door knocking for the greens it's the same skill it's it's a conversation where you've asked someone who's not already like doing something to do something and that's what we're practicing when we're door knocking and it's something you should really consider yeah absolutely it's um a lot better than posting. Also makes you feel way better yeah. than posting. Um, yeah, and, uh, like, also it's, um, like, obviously there's a lot of, like, structural limitations that we're going to have to run into that Corbyn and Sanders both run into, like, who are mm. both a little bit fert, or Syriza in Greece, or Podemos in Spain. We don't have the quite the same problem of, like, the rest of the hostile party. Like, we're not intervening within the Labour Party. No, blah, but blah, Demos blah, blah, or Syriza blah, blah, blah. won't. But, you know, like, yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. there's going to be issues when, like, you get close to government and things like that. But I actually think we're not taking the shortcuts. Like, yeah. like we are, like, we're in the process of building a structure with from the sedimented layers, from the ground up, with sedimented layers of experience and capacity building. And behind it, we're leaving a lot of people, new people with political education and the knowledge of those previous failures from movements mm-hmm. around the country. And I genuinely think we're building something new and different here yeah, as I'm a result. Con- I'm absolutely convinced that the, the most exciting thing happening in Australia is happening here. Yeah, and that it had to take a little bit of time and that shortcuts like going through an established party were maybe... <laughs> a problem. Sorry, I love my, I love the beautiful boy, but he fucked up. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, but even even then, like, we because some of us did some calls to help out the momentum campaign. Mm. I don't know if I mentioned this on another podcast, but um, but what I was like, what I was absolutely stunned by was like the lack of sophistication in the conversation script and the conversations yeah, we were being asked to have. I was like, oh, these guys have like cracked a way of having like forty thousand conversations in a week, and that's really cool. We should absolutely had a lot to learn from this but these guys are fucking at amateur hour when it comes to how to like teach someone who's not had a conversation with someone they don't know how to do that in a way yeah. that, that isn't alienating and uncomfortable for we, both of I them I think we literally changed the script halfway through yeah we did and then yeah. they and then they like took that change on board and started using it like Ooh, internationalism internationalism yeah, we did <laughs> yeah yeah um, should we wrap up yeah let's do it what do you mean? Oh, I thought this was a two-hour podcast. Oh God, <laughs> I don't think I have the energy. I like it's. Um, th- I'm definitely. I'm. I'm clocking out. But thank you, everyone. I really enjoyed this. I love doing this stuff. I love talking about door knocking more than I love anything that isn't door knocking. Yeah, no, that's true. The only thing, yeah, the only thing I love more than talking about door knocking is door knocking. And Terrell. <laughs> no! Look. That's a parody. Max genuinely believes that, folks. It's true. That's, that's his favourite thing. Oh, God. This is going to end up in the curry mail. Anyway, it's not true. No, 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 no. We've never taken heroin. I've never taken heroin. I can't speak for the others. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, bye. Oh, bye. <laughs> oh, damn. Just, just, just to wrap up, I absolutely need to uh, do a few plugs. Um, Paul Turnip has been having an incredible season. And, uh, and I'll, I'll just add that the commissioner has been doing a great job. And also, Dolly!